It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. And I have to put you on hold for one second because I think my guest is calling in. Um, Let's see. Let's see what... Yeah, I don't know. Let's just let me just check something. Um, we're supposed to have Matt Farr today. Um, just make sure I gave him the right number to call in. Okay. Four two four two two one eight zero one. Correct. I gave him the right number. Okay. Awesome. So, well, let me start by telling you about who our guest is, and hopefully he will figure out how to connect with me. Um, From taking a day off of work to staying in bed to having to run out to the store for last-minute medicine that you were sure you had, no one enjoys being sick. But what if there were quick and easy ways to boost your immune system so you could feel your best all year long? In today's special guest, Matt Farr's new book, Immune System Hacks. He offers 175 practical steps you can use right away to boost your immune system and stay healthy throughout the year. His book offers an integrated, holistic approach that provides you more control over your physical well-being. But not only that, these immune system optimization tips will also support your social, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Matt Farr is a health coach with more than 18 years of experience working in health, fitness, and well-being. He is the creator of the Energy Formula, an online program designed to help individuals overcome fatigue and the creator of many other health-focused online programs. Matt specializes in helping people who struggle with stress, fatigue, and insomnia to regain their vitality and resilience. He takes an integrated holistic approach to working with the mind and body across multiple disciplines, exploring all angles across diet, lifestyle, movement, environment, and mindset. So, good morning. Is this Matt? Hi, Randy. Yes, it is indeed. Okay. All right. Um, Did you have trouble connecting? I had a couple of challenges, um, but I'm, I'm through now. Can you hear me okay? Um, there's a little bit of an echo. Are you on a speaker? No, I'm on earphones. Let me see if I can just change something. Hang on. Okay. Hello? Hello? Okay. Yeah, that might be a little bit better. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah it's you why, can hear me better uh, now, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. This is why I always um, ask my, my guests to call in five minutes early so we can take care of all these things. Well, let's get started. Yes, of um, Yes. Okay, so you call your book Immune System Hacks. And when I first saw that title, I wasn't familiar with the term hacks. So explain to us why you named your book that. Yeah, sure. So, so hacks is a, is a term that, that can mean a few different things. Um, ha- immune system hacks can mean, obviously, it can mean a shortcut. Uh, but it also can mean a, a skill, a trick, novel, a novel method um, of improving efficiency. Um, so, you know, there's, there's various different ways in which that word is, is used. Um, and so obviously the, the book is about the immune system. Um, and so, yeah, that was the agreed title with, with the publishers. Okay, good. And there are 187 hacks in this book. Uh, yeah, I counted them. So anyway, well, actually the number says 187. But I found it interesting that the first tip you gave was about fungi, mushrooms, and how important they are to the immune system. And I actually, I had a guest on several months ago who was a mushroom farmer, and he explained to me, I had no idea um, how important mushrooms were. So I've been taking turkey tail immune support ever since then. <laughs> so explain to me why you, started, why you started with mushrooms. Um, there wasn't a particular reason. I, you know, we 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 started with mushrooms. Um, you know, obviously there was lots of different different hacks in in the book, um, and and you know the mushrooms is probably one that many people are not so familiar with. But, you know, there's a number of different ways in which mushrooms can actually help support the immune system. So, you know, it, it was a it was a good option really to to get started with that one. And what do people need to know about mushrooms to for their immune system? Well, there's probably two main ingredients that are, that are common amongst different types of mushrooms um, that that can be beneficial to the immune system. One is polysaccharides, which actually help to regulate the immune system. Um, it helps with reducing the the uptake of glucose um, into the absorption through the gut. Um, which can obviously help a lot with the immune system as well, because when there's two two bigger fluctuations in blood sugars, that can have a negative impact. Um, and then, you know, mushrooms also, in terms of the plant foods, one of the richest sources of vitamin D, um, which plays a very important role with the immune system as well. Um, so they're probably two of the main reasons, you know, we can all kinds of different mushrooms have more specific individualized effects. There's different types out there. You know, you've got your common ones like your, your reishi, your matake um, mushrooms, and, and then, you know, perhaps less common varieties like the cordyceps, chaga, which are also very beneficial, lion's mane, um, all very beneficial to the immune system too. They're a little bit more tricky to find, or you can, you know, obviously use in a supplement, the most commonly way those are used. Right. Okay. And hack 11 is get your downward dog on. So you talk about yoga. We hear about yoga and how important it is for the body. Why is it important for our immune system? Um, I'd say there's two or three primary reasons. 
one of the main biggest, most important reasons is to do with the nervous system. Um, and so, you know, yoga and, and other similar types of activities can help to activate the, the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. So we have two main sides. We have the sympathetic and um, parasympathetic of the sides of the, 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 nervous, the autonomic nervous system. Um, and parasympathetic, that is very important when it comes to regulating most of the immune system, supporting most of the immune system function, particularly with regard to things like inflammation. And the sympathetic tends to inhibit immune function. So yoga, by helping to strengthen the parasympathetic and activate the parasympathetic side, can really bring our immune systems online. Um, and then, you know, also with the breath, you know, the, through, through different techniques that are used in yoga, as well as the postures themselves, we can help to regulate the breath, um, which also, you know, plays a very important role in, in regulating the immune system, but other ways too, sorry, particularly regulating it via the nervous system. Um, so, yeah, those, you know, those are probably the two main ways in which yoga can play a part. There are specific postures that can have, you know, benefits in aiding circulation and concentrating the flow of blood and, and uh, life force energy, chi energy or prana, as it's called in yoga, um, to, you know, certain organs that may be beneficial to the immune system as well. That's so interesting. There was, I couldn't believe you came up with so many ways that we can do this. And I think that we, most people are not aware at how many different ways we can use to boost our immune system. Um, hack 13 was accept the immune response. And you talk about important mm. of fevers. So tell us about that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when, when you, the immune system is so intertwined with the natural world. And, and how our bodies, you know, obviously naturally function that it can be quite damaging when we start to in, try and interfere. You know, we have medications out there that uh, we might use for things like colds and flu that might inhibit a fever, for example. Um, but actually, fever has been shown to have a, a couple of different effects that help to support the immune system. So when, when our body is trying to combat an infection, raising the body temperature is actually beneficial for combating. It may create an, an uninhabitable environment for the, the microbe. Um, so it can help to combat that way. It also activates certain um, proteins and, and DNA and, and things like that in the body that help to support the immune system function as well. Heat shock proteins um, and, and other things that that all play an important role in supporting immune system function. So, you know, raising the temperature of the body is actually beneficial. We, we obviously tend to try to suppress it and we take medications to try to suppress it, but it's not necessarily in our best interest and it can actually mean that we um, might be ill more intensely or for longer. We might eliminate the symptoms of the illness by taking, you know, medications, but on the long run, we're, I would argue that you know, we're actually giving our immune system a disadvantage. How high of a fever is, is it okay to allow? I mean, 
105, is that, well, that's Fahrenheit. Is that uh, too high of a fever or doesn't it matter? I think it, I think it's, it's an interesting one because obviously too high a temperature can be detrimental. You know, the, you know, I think it's, I mean, I'm more familiar with Celsius. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would say Celsius of 40 degrees, anything below 40 degrees, which yeah, is below 100 and 105 um, is, we're not likely from, from what I've read from the research that I've done, we're not likely to have any, you know, significant problems with going up to that temperature. Once it goes beyond that, then, you know, that's, you know, perhaps more of an issue and more of a reason to to do something. So high fevers are not something we should necessarily play around with. Okay. No, exactly. When we're talking extreme, then obviously we want to seek medical attention and, and do what we need to do for our, our well-being, for sure. Right, good. I just wanted to clarify that. You talk about fasting to rebuild our immune system. Mm-hmm. What does fasting do for our body? Um, so fasting, in within the context specifically with the immune system, probably the biggest advantage of fasting is it triggers something called autophagy so autophagy is auto auto means self and phagy means to eat so when we fast we trigger this self-eating response now that might not sound particularly healthy but i assure you it is it's actually one of the ways one of the main ways in which the body replaces old degenerative cells with new ones so what it does, it's a bit like a recycling. It's, it's the body's form of recycling. It takes those damaged proteins, those damaged cells, recycles them to build new cell parts. So the effect of autophagy is we end up with, um, you know, a very m- much healthier body. Cells are working better. And so, you know, obviously we apply this, we apply this to the immune system then autophagy is going to help to regenerate the immune system. There's a lot of research by uh, a researcher, a scientist known as Walter Longo, who's done a lot of research into this and shown that, you know, longer fasting, longer fasts of, of, you know, three, five days, that kind of duration can be very beneficial to regenerating and rebuilding the immune system. you know, there's other benefits in terms of eliminating toxins. Um, actually, the process of autophagy and our apoptosis, which is also triggered by fasting, can actually be a mechanism for helping to kill an infection as well. Not that I'm suggesting that we always should be fasting when we're ill. There's, you know, there's a few factors involved in that, whether that's a good thing or not. But, you know, there's... That's probably the primary reason. And also, actually, another thing is, is it helps to regenerate the cells in the gut. Because we're not eating, gives that maximal opportunity to rebuild, regenerate the gut lining, which plays a very, very important role in our immune defenses as well. Does fasting mean not eating entirely? And if so, how long would... I hear you, dog. How long will... How long can we go and not eat? Uh, um, so they, there's different types of fasting out there. Um, you, you know, in terms of 
things like maximizing autophagy and, and getting those um, benefits, I would say a fasting that involves not actually consuming any calories is going to be most optimal for that and for a longer fast. That said, then, you know, fasting, we can incorporate fasting into our daily lives by incorporating things like intermittent fasting or um, um, I've forgotten the name of it now. I'll come back to that in a moment. But there's other fasting ways in which we might not eat for a period of time, a window of time when we don't eat. Um, and so, you know, for example, a very common one is to not eat for 16 hours and eat for only eight hours. And when we do that, then again, we're giving the body a chance to kick in a level of autophagy um, that can help and, and, you know, benefit the immune system. There's obviously other types of fats out there as well. Um, but it's really about finding one that works for you and one that's appropriate to your levels of health because fasting can also be quite stressful to the body. So we have to bear that in mind as well. Right. I would imagine it could be stressful <clears throat> to the body and also to the mind <laughs> if you're hungry. Yeah. I you're mean, not I, so what, happy. What, what I would... Sorry? I said if you're hungry, you're not so happy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like anything. You can train yourself. It's a bit like exercise. You, know, you start small, and over time, you might do longer and longer fasts, but you'll find it easier and easier the more frequently you do it. The body adapts it, strengthens the mechanisms that support you. So, yes, I mean, if you, you know, just like if you went and ran a marathon tomorrow, you're going to pay the consequences. Um, it's the same with fasting. You've got to, you know, when if you're new to fasting, start very slowly. Okay, good, good advice. Laughing, hack 22. You say this is one of the simplest and most enjoyable hacks for your immune system. Laugh more. What does laughing do for us? Laughing. Um, so obviously one of the things it's going to do is it's going to help to elevate our mood. Um, and and our emotions play an important role in affecting our immune system. Um, so, you know, if, we, if our immune, a lot of kind of more distressing emotions can have a negative effect on the immune system. You know, a fasting, so fasting, laughing even, is going to help to increase uh, hormones like serotonin and dopamine as well. Um, you know, it's been shown to affect uh, immune cells like lymphocytes, T lymphocytes specifically, natural killer cells, which are involved in the immune response to any kind of infection. Um, and I think the other key thing with, with laughing as well, it's just a great way to de-stress, you know, the body and the mind and the nervous system as well. So, you know, who doesn't like to laugh as well? So, you right. know, it's one of the fun hacks. It is a fun hack. What about closing <laughs> our mouth, pack 25? Are you an overbreather? What is an overbreather? Mm. So overbreathing is when we basically um, we we tend to breathe through the mouth, and what that means is we expel a lot of carbon dioxide. Now, kind of what we're taught at school, at least I was taught in school, that that carbon dioxide is a waste product. You know, it has no value, it has no benefit, which isn't actually true. Um, carbon dioxide can actually play very beneficial roles in the body. One of its most important roles is helping to move oxygen from the blood into the cells and, you know, something called the Bohr effect. 
And when uh, carbon dioxide levels drop too low, we actually inhibit the, the movement of oxygen from the blood into the cells where it can be used. So when we're over-breathing, what we do is we expel too much carbon dioxide, which lowers carbon dioxide in the blood, affects the movement of oxygen into the cell. Um, it can also affect things like our pH, our breath, plays very important roles in regulating the pH of the body, which can also affect the way the immune system and many other systems of the body work as well, um, and you know, have a negative effect on our metabolism. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of different things. Um, and so breathe, you know, what's been shown is when you over-breathe, it's going to affect your metabolic health. It's even going to affect you emotionally can affect things like sleep, um, allergies, insomnia. You know, there's all sorts of different effects that over-breathing can have. So over-breathing... And, and that's right, just, it, just in case that wasn't clear as well. Um, when I say over-breathing, it's breathing through the mouth and not the nose. And so what we okay. want to be doing is focusing on breathing in through the nose. Okay. Breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. Yeah, it can be out through the, the mouth or the nose. What's most okay. important in, in this sense is, is to breathe in through the nose. Okay. Right. And most breath work does that. Most, most breath work, you take it in through your nose and then out through your mouth. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Spice things up. So, uh, in this hack, Hack 35, you talk about turmeric, curcumin those kind of things. But you also mm -hmm. talk about the way in which we should ingest these things. So can you explain that to us? Yeah. So, so when we look at the research, actually curcumin or turmeric, um, curcumin is the, the more active compound of turmeric. And, um, when we consume it on its own, it's actually been shown to have very minimal effects. But so we, you know, what, it's not absorbed into the body so easily. So to help support the absorption, things like black pepper, specifically peppermint, which is a compound found in black pepper, which helps to increase the effectiveness of, of curcumin, um, consuming it with fats. If we're taking it as a supplement, there's particular forms of curcumin that we might take, such as what's called liposomal um, form of, of curcumin, which can help all improve the absorption of the curcumin, which has very anti-inflammatory benefits to it. Um, so, you know, it's not so beneficial just taking curcumin or turmeric by itself. We need to be taking it with these other, you know, compounds or substances. Can we actually get enough of it in our food? Well, that, you know, obviously it depends. I don't, it's difficult to say what enough is, to be honest with you. It's not like a nutrient where there's specific recommendations. You know, it, it will depend on the individuals what's enough. You know, it's not necessarily, you don't even need to have any of it, to be honest. There may be other compounds or other substances, other foods you might be using. And, and it depends how inflamed your body is. So there's, there's not like a specific, is there what's enough, what isn't enough. There are certain, there is research out there to say, well, for a specific effect, 
um, you know, we need to be taking this amount. And, and if you're taking it from that perspective, if you're looking for a specific effect based on the research, then you probably be wise to use a, a supplement form because it's going to be more easily absorbed and taken in. Okay. Good to know. Probiotics, how important are these for us to take on a daily basis? Well, the bacteria in the gut and the microbiota play a very, very important role in our immune system. Um, and when that, that is compromised in some way, then our, you know, our health in many ways is going to suffer, including the immune system. The, the bacteria, the, the microbiota, play very important roles in helping to educate the immune system. They help to produce certain nutrients. They help to protect against infections by managing things like the pH in the, in the colon, in the large intestine. Um, and so things like probiotics, which can be a supplement, um, but it also can be a food. So a probiotic is just going to give us those beneficial bacteria, whether it's in supplemental form or maybe it's taken in by foods such as fermented foods, um, which can be very beneficial for supporting the balance of, of you know, healthy bacteria levels of the, uh, the beneficial bacteria in the gut. And fermented foods would be like kimchi, sauerkraut, things like that? Exactly, exactly. Kombucha, yogurt, you know, kefir, all those types of foods. Right. What does caffeine do to our immune system, and why should we reduce if we're drinking a, if we're drinking a lot or taking in a lot? Why should we reduce that? So, so caffeine. One of the things that caffeine will do. That there's two ways, main ways, in which it's going to affect the immune system. One of the things it will do is it will activate the sympathetic nervous system and potentially help increase things like cortisol which is the main stress hormone in the body. So I talked about the sympathetic nervous system before, but cortisol, as well as the sympathetic nervous system, actually uh, inhibits immune system function. And so for that reason, we don't want to be drinking too much caffeine because that's going to actually have a negative effect. You know, if we were to be drinking lots of caffeine and we're then, you know, for many of us, we're quite stressed anyway, um, because of you know lifestyle and, and whatnot, so it's it's only going to put us at more greater risk of an inf you know infection because the immune system isn't able to operate on its optimal level. But mm. interestingly enough, where it can it has been used and you know, sometimes advised is with inflammatory conditions, because what it does do is have anti-inflammatory benefits, but. You know the downside is if we're we're negating the inf inflammation which is caused by an immune reaction you know it, the inflammation is actually the immune system in action and in, in the very beginning of any kind of infection or what the immune system perceives as an infection it could be an injury um, then you know the the caffeine will help to lower that and have an, you know and what might be considered as a positive effect in that guard regard but ultimately what it's going to do is it's going to suppress the whole immune system and put you at risk of an infection so you know having too much caffeine 
um, is, is not going to be beneficial in this sense. Okay. So, and in the same vein, anxiety, it's important mm. that we find a way to uh, control or reduce our anxiety because it's basically the same function in the body, right? Exactly. Exactly. We're affecting the same mechanism. I mean, the nervous system regulates the immune system or it's one of the main systems that regulates it as well as the uh, endocrine system, the hormones. So yeah, absolutely. If we're very anxious, um, it can actually, um, you know, put us in a disadvantage because the body's in this stress state a lot of the time. Hmm. So important to understand that uh, because I am a narcissistic abuse coach and some people feel like they should stay in these relationships and bear it. And the truth of the matter is there's low-lying anxiety all the time, 24-7. That is just not good for their bodies. And so um, I kind of wanted to point that out. Uh, You talk about the 5G, which is the fifth generation technology for cellular networks. Why are we, why should we be cautious of 5G as opposed to the other technologies that have been out? Yeah. So, so the the thing with, with 5G, 5G that I'm particularly cautious about is, is it is a much more concentrated form. So, um, when we go into the higher ends of you know, what we have right now, you know, the 4G, the 3G, is is a lower uh, frequency. And when we go into higher frequencies, one of the things that happens is in order for those technologies to work is that we need much more concentration of the, of the masks, of the phone masks, Within that, within a particular area, and what what we know is the more closer we are to an electromagnetic field on a higher concentration, it has more of a biological effect. So this is the the one of the main problems with 5G is is the fact that you know, we are going to be surrounded by higher concentrations of electromagnetic fields simply because we need many more farm masks than we did at 4G because of, you know, it's, it's more, it doesn't travel so far. It's influenced by things like trees and rain, which block it. So we, you know, for that reason, it, we, we are more exposed to the electromagnetism um, in you know, the negative forms of electromagnetism. There are positive uh, forms of electromagnetism too, from our health perspective. But, but in terms of the man-made, you know, harmful EMFs, um, this this is where 5G is a problem. And you know, there's some concerns around the millimeter waves, which is the higher concentrations, the higher frequencies, and the way that that can affect us as well. So, what do we do about that? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have all the answers. I think I think the, the best thing we can do, to be honest, especially you know these technologies are coming upon us. We can't really stop it, you know, unless somehow we can, I don't know, convince whoever we need to convince about it. But um, you know what we can do is obviously take the most optimal care of our of our bodies. 
you know, and our, and our minds, our emotions, because the, the more stressed we are, the, the less vitality that we have, the more likely we're going to be impacted by these kinds of environmental factors, environmental toxins. So that's one of the things we can certainly do. Um, we can use, um, you know, one of the ways in which this technology can affect us is through oxidative stress, um, which is basically uh, free radical damage. And so we can help to neutralize that by eating, you know, a very plant-rich diet, for example, one that's high in antioxidants. Um, we may even take some forms of antioxidants that can help to support the body against oxidative stress. Um, obviously, you know, get plenty of exercise, plenty of sunlight, you know, manage stress, eat well, you know, all the normal things that we know are very beneficial, but it becomes extra important when we're, we're being faced by these increased environmental toxins. I mean, that, you know, there are obviously other ways in which we can shield us without going into all of that side of things. But there are, you know, through, through researching these things, you'll find that there are ways to measure and shield ourselves against electromagnetism, electromagnetic fields. You know, what we can do in the home as well, you know, this is one of the main sources. Yes, there's 5G, but then there's plenty of things in everything in your home, in the, everything from the wiring in your house to your Wi-Fi. How you use these technologies, learning how to use them in the right way, you know, how can you minimize or, or mitigate the, the risks? There, there's lots of different things. I mean, obviously, there's lots of different things. I talk, talk about it in the book as well. Um, you know, many different things from simple things like, you know, not having your phone next to you at night when you're sleeping and it's turned on, you know, turn your phone off at night. A very simple thing you can do to give the body a chance to regenerate it and heal itself. Um, you know, not being too close to your phone when it's plugged in on charge because that emits a strong electromagnetic field. You know, anything we can do really, not just with 5G, but anything around electromagnetic fields that we can help to reduce our exposure is going to be beneficial. Okay, great. And there's, they also talk about shungite, which is a, uh, a natural gem, natural stone that supposedly absorbs mm -hmm. it. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know how much we need, how much shungite we need to have around us to protect us. But but the point is that this is all around us, and we have to really take extra good care of our body. That's really what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, do what we can to, to reduce our exposure um, mm -hmm. and absolutely take as much care as we can of our bodies because the stronger our body is or stronger our vitality, the less these things are going to have an effect. Okay, good to know. I thought uh, hack... 92 mixed with microbes that really got me thinking because you talk about how exposure during the first few years of life to microbes so it would be like playing in the dirt and being around other mm -hmm. people how important that is for building our immune system yeah so yes so what is happening now i would you know I keep thinking with all the hand sanitizers, we are creating less immunity in ourselves than more, right? Absolutely. I agree. You know, the fact that we're isolating ourselves from the rest of the world, from the natural world. I mean, we can to some degree 
participate in in the world but you know it's obviously more limited and we're not having that physical contact as well as socializing the physical contact with other human beings you know it's it's obviously getting in nature too getting in contact with the earth getting in contact with trees and plants you know this is where we exchange those microbes which help to educate the immune system and when we don't have that, we are, you know, it also exercises the immune system. We want a low, you know, low threat, should we say, uh, of microbes and alien microbes to our bodies to help exercise the immune system. It's, it's like anything else, you know, if you don't exercise, your muscles degenerate over time and then they don't work as well when you need them to. So it's exactly the same with our immune system. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. I think there is a, a detrimental effect that's being had in this regard to the immune system. Right, because when all this is over, we've sanitized ourselves to the point where we're not going to be able to expose, be exposed to anything. Our bodies will not be prepared, and anything that comes at us is going to be powerful, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's many variables, um, and this is this is just one. What I what I would say is, it makes it extra important we, while we can is to still get outdoors. I mean, maybe we can't go and socialize and, and meet people in the same way we used to, but we, you know, if we can, depending on you know what we what country we're in, what our environment is like, if we can get out in the garden and get physical contact with 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 you know, the natural world or get out and go for a walk in the woods, you know, we're now getting some exposure, maybe not on the same level as before, but we can, we can, I, I, I like to function on what we can do. Um, and, and, and that's where we want to be focused. Okay, good. Good tip. Coconut oil is one of the, uh, hack 94 and mm-hmm. coconut oil is like the new, the new everything. You cook with it, you wash your hair with it, you take it, you know. So why is coconut oil important for our immune system? Um, Well, there's a few reasons. One of the things is it contains certain types of fatty acids, namely uh, lauric acid, um, which has antimicrobial benefits. Um, it, it also contains things like me, uh, medium chain triglycerides, which actually help to provide energy to the body as well. Um, so, you know, these things combined can, can help to support the immune system in combating microbes, strengthening the immune system, um, and, you know, helping to regulate the immune system as well. Um, you know, th- these are some of the main benefits, I would say, to, to using coconut oil. Um, uh, you know, if for for our defense, supporting our defenses really, as well as actually, you know, um, st- strengthening them to a point as well. Okay, good, good to know. You call chocolate the food of the gods, and you say we should consume it. Hack one hundred and two, one hundred and two. What in what form is chocolate healthy for us, and in what? I should say, doses. Yeah, I mean, probably not the form that most people are consuming it, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, 
you know, the, the kind of store-bought commercial variety of chocolate that's gone through many, many processes, packed full of sugars and chemicals and, and harmful fats, rancid fats, that's not going to be so good. But, you know, chocolate that comes from cacao, that's, the more we can get closer to, to the, the actual powerful ingredient in chocolate is the cacao. And the cacao, the more we can get closer to its original form, the less processed it is. So the most, that I know of, the most optimal form would be something like ceremonial grade cacao, um, which is, tastes quite different. You wouldn't eat it like you would eat chocolate. You know, it's very bitter, um, and, but it's packed full of nutrients. It's packed full of antioxidants. It's packed full of polyphenols. It's packed full of loads of other nutrients, which can be beneficial to supporting the immune system. Um, so, you know, what we need to be doing is the less processed, the better. And also the higher, you know, when we look at the cocoa solids, for example. So cocoa is made, comes from cacao. Cacao is a more unprocessed form. And cocoa um, is, 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 you know, when we look at your kind of more store-bought chocolates, you'd be looking for something that's a higher concentration of cocoa solids. That would be more beneficial than, say, uh, a dairy milk chocolate, for example. Um, of course, it's, you know, what we tend to find is that higher concentrations of the cocoa tend, tend to have much sugar. They don't tend to have much other ingredients. So they tend to be much more beneficial. Um, so, you know, from that regard, that's where chocolate becomes uh, more of a, uh, a medicine, more nutritional than the more harmful forms, which is, you know, probably what majority of, of the Western world are eating. Right, right, right. Cacao nibs, they're, they're kind of good. They have, that's something we can yeah. get uh, easily. And over the, when we were um, quarantined and I started yeah. baking, which I don't normally do, I baked vegan chocolate chip cookies, but I used cacao chips instead. And they were so good. They were really good. Yeah. The cacao didn't melt, but it balanced out the sweetness of the cookie, which I didn't put that much sugar in because I'm not big on sugar, but, um, <laughs> but that was really, really good. I like cacao chips. Yeah, sounds amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Blue light. So what we're, we have blue light coming at us all the time, right? Through mm-hmm. our computer okay. screens, our phones, right? Yeah. So what is that doing for us and how do we filter that? Yeah. So blue light, first of all, blue light is something that happens in that in nature too. You know, we get blue light is something we're exposed to every day from the sun. It's a frequency of like a bandwidth of light frequency that affects our bodies and affects our cells. It communicates certain information. And what's the biggest problem right now is that the higher concentration and particularly the timing of when we're exposed to blue light. You know, I don't want to say all blue light is bad. If it's from the sun and you're outdoors and it's the daytime, you know, obviously if it's the sun's up, then it's going to be the daytime. But, you know, then, then you're fine. You know, that, get all of that that you, you want and you need. 
But in the night time, that's when it's problematic because what it does is it dysregulates the circadian rhythm, which is the biological clock of our bodies. Every cell has this clock, every organ, every gland. Um, and you know, we have a, a master clock known as a suprachiasmatic nucleus. And blue light regulates that clock. And when we, when we have high concentrations of blue light, we, from our electronic devices, from the televisions, as computer screens and mobile phones, as you pointed out, or cell phones, as you guys call them. Um, we are basically telling our brain and our body that it's the afternoon, but maybe we're about to go to bed. And hmm. so this is going to have a massive you know, problem effect on our sleep. And sleep plays such an important role in our immune system function. Um, and so bringing it back to the immune system, the more we can regulate the body clock, the biological clock, the more we can improve the quality of our sleep, the better, really, um, as, in regards to our immune system. So, you know, we want to be doing things like minimizing our exposure where we can, and we can do that through obviously not having these screens around us immediately before we go to bed, but there are all sorts of things out there these days, technologies like, so for example, you can get blue light blocking glasses, which will help to filter out the blue light. So you can still use your phone at night, but you're not going to be disrupting your sleep and your circadian rhythm health. Um, or, you know, you can put apps and, and, and software on computers. Something like uh, Flux, Flux is a great piece of software that everyone can put on their computer. It's no cost. Um, and it will filter out, depending on how you set it up, you can filter out pretty much all the blue light. Really? Um, and therefore, you know, yeah, so you can still use the screen. Now, the screen will go quite red. But that's, you know, you, you kind of have to balance that with, well, what, what, what's your health, your sleep, your immune system worth to you, you know? Do you want to, you won't see the full spectrum of color because, as I say, the blue light's been taken out and, and, you know, it is quite red, the screen. So, you know, we can, there's a lot we can do to minimize the harmful effects of these things. Right. As you were talking, I have blue blocking blue light blocking glasses that I use when I'm sitting in front of the computer. I forgot to put them on. So as you're talking, I'm taking off my <laughs> other glasses and putting on my blue, my blue blockers. Uh, yeah, great. <laughs> cutting out inflammatory fats. So what kind of fats are inflammatory? Um, so inflammatory fats would be things like uh, the hydrogenated cis flat fats, as they're also called, um, that we might find in processed foods. That's one potential source. Um, another inflammatory fat would come from fats that have been oxidized and damaged. Um, so, you know, fats play very important roles, especially in forming the membrane of the cells and, and the brain and, and other structural functions in the body. And when we're made from inflammatory fats, you things don't work properly. Um, and so where else we're going to get them is, is when we expose fats to high temperatures is a problem. But also some fats are more easily damaged than others. So um, I would be talking about things like po you've got polyunsaturated fats, 
particularly um, omega sixes have an inflammatory component to them anyway. Um, but even omega threes, which we always think of as you know these very beneficial health beneficial. But but the trouble is when we when we extract these oils from foods, be it vegetables or onion nuts and seeds and whatnot. My issue with doing that is we're now exposing the oil to air, to oxygen, to light, to heat. And when we do that, they become damaged. And then Ooh. that can pretend, you know, we're, we're going to take them into the body. And now we, we, we have, you know, we, our body's working on these fats that are potentially harmful and inflammatory, more, much more easily damaged. So, you know, we need to be... If we're cooking, we definitely don't want to be using these fats. If we do use any of these fats, we need to be very careful about how we get where we get them from because depending on the manufacturing processes, some will use heat, some will use cold filtration processes and whatnot. But generally speaking, we want to cook with most oils. Um, and when we do use them, you know, there's certain ones that are a bit more safer, like coconut oil, um, I would be you know, more inclined to use as an oil um, if I'm adding fat into, uh, into a meal or, or purposes because it's more stable. It's not going to be more harmed by you know, the environment, either environmental factors I've mentioned. I've, recently, I've started using avocado oil, and it mm-hmm. has yeah, a high – yeah, it has a, a, a high – uh, I forget what they call it, but you can smoking it takes point. more heat. Smoking point it has a high smoking point, so you can use more heat with it, and it's it's great. It's yeah. it's pretty. Doesn't really have much of a taste, but you can use it like yeah. olive oil, but whatever. It's it's very good, and it's you can find it now much more. I, I recently got it in a spray, so like they they have you know you can mist like a mister with avocado yeah. oil so so it's it's definitely around more yeah definitely you see it more around i mean we have to be a little bit careful with that because unfortunately like with olive oil some of the sources are not great you know they use lesser quality oils sometimes not even avocado oils or olive oils in them so we need to you know kind of do our research and make sure we're getting a good quality oil when we're using things like any of those oils. But yeah, avocado is definitely a great one. Macadamia oil is another one, um, very similar. And um, yeah, definitely you know, coconut oils I've already mentioned. Right. Do we want to use cold pressed for, uh, virgin? Yes, definitely. Cold pressed virgin. Yeah, hundred percent. Oil. Okay. For sure. For sure, it has to be that, and you know, make sure we we're, we're sourcing it from a, a trusted source that we know we're, what we're paying for is what we're getting. Right. So they're not mixing in other things. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Practice pranayama. This is a breathing technique, or several kinds of breathing techniques. But I've heard about them, and you list uh, five of them. Actually, you list five different kinds of pranayama. Explain that to us, what exactly it is and why it's important for us to to do. Yeah, so the different pranayamas work in different ways. They help to energize and direct the energy and and oxygen to specific areas of the body. Um, And, you know, they can be used a bit like we talked about earlier when we were talking about the breath. 
Uh, they can be used to help to have a positive effect on the nervous system. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's different, different ones out there that have different effects, um, depending on what we're looking for, you um, would, would determine what effect they're going to have. Um, but there, you know, there, there was definitely when I, when I was doing my research, I mean, I've used different types of pranayamas myself. Um, you know, not all pranayamas are necessarily going to be beneficial for the immune system or, you know, other systems that are involved like digestion, the lymphatic system, um, you know, the respiratory system we can affect with the, with the different types of pranayamas listed in the book. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember which ones I specifically listed, but, um, you know, they're obviously all in the book. And um, You have I, um, the, hum, the humming bee breath, the forehead shining breath, alternate nostril <laughs> breathing, breath of fire, yeah. chanting breath technique. But So if anybody's interested, it's all in, in the book, Immune System Hacks, yeah. which we're talking about. And one more thing, I'll go over one more thing. Maintain healthy yeah. copper levels. I, I found that interesting. I never really thought about maintaining healthy copper levels. How do we do that? Um, so, uh, the, you know, we need to be, be kind of careful on both fronts, really, in terms of, you know, toxic levels, which might come from the use of, you know, copper pipes in our, in our plumbing and copper, um, you know, maybe our pans if we, we happen to cook with copper. Um, you know, there are certain types of foods um, that are rich in, in copper that will be beneficial. Um, you know, those are the, the, some of the most common things that we can do to affect. It's not usually a nutrient we need to supplement so much. It's more about making sure we're eating the foods of the you know, richest in uh, in copper so that we can support, you know, the, the immune system in that respect. So the foods that you list here are liver, the shellfish, nuts, seeds, cacao, like we talked about before, beans, potatoes, yeah. peas, leafy greens, mushrooms, avocados, and dried fruit. Didn't really, never really thought about the copper levels in them. So No, it's, it's it was interesting. In, interesting to me too because, because you know, it's not – it's not a nutrient that's often talked about, but like the other minerals, it, it plays a role in the immune system in, in helping to regulate the immune cells. Um, and so, you know, it, it's something to consider for sure. Right, right. So I've asked you a lot of questions. I've gone sort of gone through the book and picked out things. There's so much more. I mean, as I said, you have like hack. You have it all the way up to hack 187. So there's a lot in here. There's a lot of things. Some of them are psychological, uh, emotional, different all different kinds of things that we can do. So it's it's really yeah. a valuable book. Was there anything that you wanted to share before we finish up that maybe I didn't cover that you think is important for us to know? Yeah, I would say one of the things that I've done to really support people in getting the most out of the book. Um, is I've actually put together a, a reference guide. It's not included in the book. It wasn't something I was able, unfortunately, to put in the book. Um, 
But what people can do is they can get hold. There's a website they can go to to get hold of that. Um, I, you know, for anyone that does decide that, that they're interested in, in purchasing the book, um, I have actually a, a Facebook group to support people, answer people's questions, to get the most out of the book as well. But they can find all that information on my website if they go to mattfarhealth.co.uk slash interview. Um, it's not up yet, um, but it will be by the end of today. Um, if they go to that, they'll be able to get a link to, to get the reference guide, you know, to the Facebook group, et cetera. Um, oh, and, you know, they can, you can get all that useful information. The reference guide is really there to help people to understand which hacks are most relevant to them so that they can, they can know, you know, depending on their goals, depending on, you know, any health conditions they might have, which hacks are going to be most appropriate. So the reference guide is there to support people with that. Okay, and that's, and Matt is two T's and FAR is two R's, M-A-T-T-F-A-R-R. Can you say that link one more Matt time? Matt Health. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. So it's Matt Health. Sorry, let me say that again. I, <laughs> MattFarHealth.co.uk. And then, obviously, Randy Fine interview. Okay, perfect. Sorry, slash. Okay. So let me just say that one more time. Yeah, right. MattFarHealth.co.uk slash Randy Fine interview. Perfect. It would be Randy-Fine-interview probably. Maybe. Uh, no, I I've, I've taken the dashes. There won't be any dashes in there. So no just dashes. Just to keep it simple for people. No dashes. No dashes. Okay, can... perfect. Okay. <laughs> Make it simple. All right. Thank you for that gift. I appreciate that. So your book is, I see it was published by Simon and Schuster, which is really great. Congratulations on getting them to publish your book. It's wonderful. Yes. I mean, I'm an author and I know how hard it is to get a publisher to pick up your book. So that's really, really a feat on your part. So congratulations on that. And this book Thank is available you. everywhere. Amazon, it's so interestingly, Facebook. yeah, it's it's available everywhere for you guys in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it's, there's been a slight delay in getting the book shipped out to the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> and as I understand it, it's it will be available in about a week or two for the paperback um, it, it, outside of the U.S. I don't know how many listeners you have outside the U.S., but Certainly, you know, for those guys, the paperback will be available in the next week or two on all the normal websites that, you know, I think you mentioned. Um, Yeah, everyone can get certainly the audio version and the digital version, the e-book version as well. Awesome. Very good. It's so nice to meet you, Matt. Thank you for all this valuable information. We all really need this. And this is so important right now with this pandemic that we know how to protect ourselves. So timely, very timely. Good job. Thanks for Thank being my guest. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Have a great, great day. Enjoy. Thank you. And you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we are out of time, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com 
and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.